Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. We have been in a message series for the past couple weeks that Pastor Stephen uh, has, has spoken called Love Where You Live. And this series is all about how we are to live out and love those that co- we come into contact with every single day. How many of you know we need a little bit more love in our world right now and in our everyday, right? I mean, I feel like everything we do could benefit from that, especially right now. Um, and as we kind of set the stage for this, I want you to, to go back to your childhood with me for just a minute. And I want you to think about what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you want to be when you grew up? If you're online, throw it in the chat. Let us know uh, what you wanted to be when you grew up. If you're in the room, holler it out to me. What did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher? Louder, come on. President, wow, overachiever. But oh, I mean, I mean, big dreamer, big dreamer. Um, anybody else? What else? Nobody else? Astronaut. Astronaut, okay, very cool. Professional sports, I like it. What else? Horse trainer. Okay, that's, that's a little different. I actually used to work horses and all of that when I was in junior high and early high school. So I love that. I would have done that. Um, but I didn't like, I used a friend's horses. I didn't have my own, so kind of problem there. Um, what else? Anybody else? Something that's different. Everything, everything, right? We all had these things that we dreamed about as kids. I love talking to kids about what they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, but out of curiosity, did anybody, is anybody currently doing what you dreamed about doing as a child? Just raise your hand. Okay, we got like two, three, four, five. Okay, we got about five, six people in the room that are doing what they dreamed about as a kid. And, and when you think about that, isn't it a little bit funny how we plan out our life and how we think that our life will go? Like, think about it. Not only does it start as a kid and what we wanna be one day, but you know, who, wh- where we're gonna go to college, what we wanna do for a career. I know for me, I remember planning out when I thought I wanted to be married and have a kid, and I got married like 10 years later than I originally planned. Because how about those plans and don't they always go exactly according to the way we think they're gonna go? But why is that? Why do you think our plans don't go according to our plan? I think a lot of times, right, life happens. The craziness of life happens. Um, the uncertainty runs into it. I mean, maybe you had a plan and then the last year and almost a half now, it's like, good grief, what's going on? Um, but then I think sometimes it's harder than we expected. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe you wanted to be a doctor and then you realized you had to go to school for 32 years to become a doctor. <laughs> And then you're like, I don't like school that much, but take that into whatever, right? It's harder. Um, I think we get hurt, right? Relationally hurt. Uh, Maybe you get turned down applying for a master's or a doctoral program, um, or you get told no for, for job after job after job, right? We experience hurt and that creates fear because we don't like being hurt. And then we end up in this place of going, you know what? I... 
I don't know that I wanna put myself out there for X, and you can fill that in relationally, job, life plan, whatever it is, because we don't like being hurt. At least I don't, and most of the people I know don't. I mean, if you like being hurt, I mean, there's counseling for that, but most of us, right, most of us don't like that. And when we talk about our plan and we talk about our script, right, for how we write out life, the, the thing about it is if we're not careful, our script not going according to plan can freeze us in life. And it can put us in this place of going, I don't know how to move forward. You know, and in this series, we're talking about how do we love the people around us? And, and when we talk about loving those around us, if we are frozen in fear because of whatever, it will keep us from being able to love those that are around us. And, and I think we know this, but to truly heal from hurt that has been caused to us by, by somebody, a job, a business, whatever it may be, we have to get to the point of forgiving those that have hurt us and forgiving those that have wronged us. Now, I, I wanna talk about forgiveness for just a moment, and that's not where we're gonna end up today, but where we're gonna end up, forgiveness in this idea for just a minute is really, really important for us to talk about. So, so track with me for just a minute. I think when we talk about forgiveness, um, forgiveness is hard because hurt doesn't go with our script, right? We know that we're gonna get hurt. We know that we're gonna get lied to. We know that we're gonna get backstabbed, that someone's going to do something to get ahead that hurts us. None of us would say that we don't expect that to happen in life. But at the same time, I think most of us, at least initially, don't plan for that to happen in our lives. Right, we don't wanna, at least I don't wanna walk around in life going, I'm waiting for people to hurt me and I'm gonna be closed off and I'm gonna be guarded because then nobody wants to live that way. And in doing that, we're not ready to be hurt and to know what to do in it. But when it comes to hurt and when it comes to forgiveness, we have to make up our mind ahead of time that I'm not going to stay hurt when it happens. Think about that for your life. Think about the last few times that you've been hurt, something's happened that stings, that, that someone sinned against you, that they did something to you. And have you, have you forgiven them for that? Have you gotten past that? Because if we don't make up our mind ahead of time, it's very hard to do that and to do it quickly. When you think about forgiveness, forgiveness is not an emotion, right? It's a choice. It's a choice that we have to make. And, and I love kind of studying and, and learning about how do you be really successful in your life. And, and it's fascinating to me that the biggest names uh, in business and in our world, uh, you know, like uh, I, I read about Steve Jobs, um, the CEO for Apple. And he wore the same thing, almost the same thing every single day because it was one less decision he had to make every single day. And, and you can like learn about this into the, they go, I eat the same thing every day, which that's kind of boring because I really like food. Um, but I'm gonna wear the same thing because what I wanna do is I'm gonna save all of my mind power for that, right? They're making decisions ahead of time. And when it comes to forgiveness, have you made the decision, you know what, I'm not going to stay hurt. And I think so many of us, find ourselves in a mess when it comes to forgiveness, whether it's in your home, whether it's at work, 
um, maybe with a spouse or an ex-spouse, a friend at school. And what we do is we live in this and because we weren't prepared for it, we don't know how to handle it because we haven't made that decision ahead of time. Um, I wanna read a verse to you out of Matthew chapter 18. Um, And this is a very interesting uh, verse. If you've been in church, you've heard this. And I wanna point something out that you may not have heard before because um, I actually heard another pastor talking about this idea. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna use that because it's really, really good. But Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and Peter, one of his disciples, asks him a question in verse 21. It says this, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And he says, seven times, right? He pulls this number out. But what I... What I learned was that this is not just a random number. According to the religious law at the time, you're supposed to to forgive someone three times. Now I can imagine Peter's been with Jesus for a while. He knows that Jesus is all about loving people, serving people. He goes, I know his answer is not gonna be what the law says. So like, I'm gonna double it and add one, right? That's that's how I imagine that going, right? I'm gonna double it because Jesus might say double. So I'm gonna add one so I can be extra spiritual, right? We all do that in certain ways. And so then he goes, all right, seven. Jesus's response, check this out. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Yes, I used a calculator, that's 490 times. Not a math whiz. I even checked it twice for all the math people in the room. 490 times. Do you think what Jesus intended there was to go, hey, when you were at 489 times, you can tell that person, hey, one more time and I'm not forgiving you anymore? (laughs) No, I think the point was like, who's gonna keep track of that, right? The point was when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count, right? When When in your life, with what you've had, that hurt that's happened? Have, have you lost count with forgiving people in your life? Are you so quick to forgive when wrong is done against you? Because you ain't gonna live like that, right? That's not about the other person. Forgiveness is all about you, your heart, what God wants to do in and through you. You know, when we talk about forgiveness, you gotta be open to find healing to forgiveness. You gotta make that decision ahead of time. You gotta keep loving and you gotta keep loving and you keep loving and you keep forgiving when it doesn't feel like it, when it's inconvenient, when it just doesn't make sense in your mind, you have to keep forgiving. Because there's something that happens when we come to the point of living a life of forgiveness. And it's this amazing thing when we talk about loving those around us. When we can forgive in our own life, it does something and it releases our ability to love like Jesus loves, right? You can't love the people in your life. You can't love unconditionally here if you're dealing with all this unforgiveness here. And actually Jesus says these words in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, and this is a pretty strong wording, but check this out. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. 
Think about that. Not only does Jesus tell us, hey, I'm, I'm not gonna, you can't not live out, right, this love for others. Step back here, you're not even, I'm not even gonna forgive you of your sins if you're not forgiving other people. And it's this idea that forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness is where it all starts in us being able to live out our faith on a daily basis. You see, we must come to the point of being able to love like you've never been hurt. Are you at a place in your life where you can love like you've never been hurt? You know, we see all throughout scripture stories of people that weren't perfect, that messed up on a regular like you and me, but chose to love like they've never been hurt. I mean, we could sit here and talk about Bible story after Bible story, people that sinned and killed people, but yet they came back to this forgiveness aspect and God used it in their life. Um, one of those such characters, and I'm gonna summarize for the sake of time, but is, is the story of Joseph. Um, if you've grown up in church, you've heard of Joseph. If not, I'm gonna give you the, the Cliff Notes version of Joseph. So Joseph um, is a kid and he has this dream. And in this dream, his brothers are all bowing down to him in this dream. So being not probably the smartest kid, he goes and he tells his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, if you if your sibling told you that you were gonna bow down and worship them, how would that make you feel? Right? I'd be like, no, I'm gonna punch my brother in the face. And, and that's kind of what happened. So Joseph is going out to see his brothers, to visit them um, out in the field, and they see him coming from a long ways off. And they go, hey, let's kill him. I'm like, that's pretty extreme for a dream, but whatever. One of the brothers talks them out of it and says, hey, let's throw him in this well, in this pit, and then we'll decide what to do with him. So they jump him, they, they, they take him, they beat him up, they throw him into this well, and then they end up selling him into slavery. He ends up getting sold to his master in Egypt, where he's serving in this household in Egypt, and God just blesses his life. And you think about if God's blessing his life, he must have at some point started to move on from that hurt. So he, God's blessing his life, he's got favor, um, his, his master loves what he's doing. And then his master's wife comes and tries to seduce him. And, and Joseph does what he should do, right? He flees, he runs away, but she accuses him of basically trying to rape her and gets him thrown into prison and he's in prison for years. So here he is, right? Think about this, think about the hurt, right? the hurt of, I, I, my brothers wanted to kill me. They sold me into slavery. Now I'm here, I'm, I'm starting to thrive. And then out of nowhere, on no fault of my own, here I am again, like at the bottom rung. He's in prison. He makes some friends with some people, um, actually interprets a dream for one of the guys that he is in prison with. Um, and he says, hey, don't forget about me. And, and this guy happens to work for Pharaoh. The guy forgets about him. And talk about hurt. Like, I just helped you. Like God used me to interpret a dream for you. And now here you are and you've forgotten about me. And then this guy goes and years go by, time goes by. Years later, Pharaoh has this dream that none of his, his advisors can interpret. And this guy remembers Joseph. Pharaoh ends up going to, or they bring Joseph to Pharaoh. He interprets his dream. And through a situation of events, he gets put in control number two over all of Egypt 
for interpreting Pharaoh's dream and helps them prepare for a famine that's coming. That was the dream that he interpreted. So this famine hits all of the land. And here's Joseph and, and they had prepared and God had used him to, 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 to be able to be ready for this famine. And what happens? His brothers come in, they bow down before him and they beg for food. Think about that. Think about that situation and all the years that had gone by. They didn't, the Bible tells us didn't even recognize Joseph. Didn't even dream it was him. And in that moment, Joseph chose to love like he had never been hurt, right? He could have said, kill them all. Second most powerful in Egypt, could have done whatever he wanted. Throw them into prison. I don't wanna deal with them. I'm gonna do what they did. I could take them, I could sell them into slavery halfway around the world. But Joseph chose to love like he had never been hurt and God used him to rescue his family, his father, his brothers, and that nation because of what had happened in his life, right? We, we always look at the hurt we're dealing with right here and we don't even realize where God is trying to take and God is trying to use that ultimately in our life. You see, sometimes I really believe the very thing we need the most is for our script to be broken. It's for my plan to get turned upside down, right? Because it's in that moment that I go, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I plan for A, B, C. I'm a planner. I don't like things to happen out of, organ, out of the order, right? Like I have a list so whenever I go on a trip of everything I need to take. Yeah, I know, maybe I'm crazy, it's okay. But it's in that uncertainty that we have no other choice but to trust God. But how do we do that if we haven't come to the point of forgiving, right? You can't love if you're living in hurt. And what's on the line is so huge. I wanna pivot us from forgiveness to where we're going. Because you have to forgive and you have to live a life like you've never been hurt because then you can love like Jesus loves. I wanna share a story with you um, of Ernie Johnson Jr. Uh, if, if you watch sports, you're gonna recognize him. One of the most well-known sportscasters, um, analysts out there for basketball. He does baseball and all of this, but he's also a Christ follower. And uh, he did this amazing interview about God working in their life and through their family. His personal story is amazing. And so I want you to watch this video for just a minute. Bernie Johnson's the nicest guy in the world. But the stuff he's taken on in his personal life, that's why we all respect him. But he we had two kids. Um, a boy and a girl, and that seemed again like, hey, here comes the script. Until my wife watches the ABC uh, show 2020, and this is back in 1990, 91, and here's the story of these Romanian orphans um, being warehoused, uh, many of them because of their imperfections, because of their disabilities, because of their handicaps, and they're just forgotten. 
I came home from work one day and Cheryl's like, you know what we need to do? I think we need to go to Romania and get one of these kids out of that orphanage. I go, and see, look, I kind of gave it that because I know Cheryl and I know as we were dating and I'm, in, I'm out there working, she's still in college at Mercer and she's working her way through college, working a couple of jobs and when she's not working, She's in the Big Sisters program, mentoring this teenage girl down there in Macon. So look, I knew her heart. Uh, this didn't fit the script, but it fit our lives, somehow. Anybody out there who's, who's been through the adoption process knows about the paperwork that's involved and about the background checks and the home studies. They want to know. Do you want to adopt a boy? Do you want to adopt a girl? How old should they be? How about handicaps? That kind of thing. And, and so our decision was little girl, under a year old, no permanent handicaps. Some, you know, and, the, and that's the way we wrote the script because that's what we could handle. And as it turns out, um, Cheryl goes there and the first orphanage that she visits uh, in this village outside of Bucharest, um, they bring out, the nurses bring out this little boy who's almost three, can't walk, can't talk, and lots of developmental delays. We're on the phone and she says, so you know, I, I think I've found a child to adopt. And, and she goes into this description. That's not exactly, you know, that's not what we kind of talked about. It's not what we told the, the agency, you know. And, you know, I, I'll never forget what she said. I mean, it's like, he said, Ernie, I just don't know if I can go the rest of my life wondering what happened to that little boy in that orphanage in Romania. And the nurse who had brought this boy out looked at Cheryl and said, boy is no good. Look, I don't, I mean, every, I've told this story a million times and I still have trouble getting through it. Because I, because I don't know exactly what was going on in my mind at that very second. When she said, I just don't know what I'll do if, you know, I can go through the rest of my life wondering what happened to that boy. But there was something in her voice and knowing her heart I just said, we'll bring him home. Sometimes over a scratchy phone line, halfway around the world, you just know. And then the unscripted continued to happen. You take him to the doctor and within a year, and they tell you he's got muscular dystrophy. And then they tell you he's got the worst kind, Duchenne. There's no cure. 
you say, should we have stuck to the script? And that's just honest. I mean, that's just, you do. You Sometimes you question yourself. people ask me, he said, but I guess if you had known he had muscular dystrophy when Cheryl was there, you wouldn't have done it. I mean, I struggled with how to answer it without hurting somebody's feelings. So we already had two kids, and we have absolutely no guarantee that 10 minutes from now, the phone's not going to ring and it's going to be some catastrophic situation that's going to change our lives totally. If I get that phone call, am I supposed to say, I knew we never should have had that kid. No, we never should have had children if this was going to happen. No, you don't do that. You just say, how are we going to deal with this? Not, I wish we hadn't done it. You know, we adopt him when he's almost three. He didn't say a word till he was eight. One day when he was eight years old, he went, Mike. And then it was... Love you too, his favorite thing to say. You don't have to tell him first. He will tell you when he meets you. Love you too. And, and uh, you know, I just think that that comes from a lot of years of, while he couldn't speak, he heard it a lot. He heard it on our, around our family because it was said all the time. And he picked that up. So he's in high school and, you know, he's tooling around in his chair and, and the first varsity basketball coach is this guy from Indiana, you know, a basketball hotbed who's come down to football country to coach high school basketball. His name is Phil Bolier. And, and Phil is in the hallways at Mill Creek High School and hears this wheelchair, the whir of this wheelchair, and he kind of follows that sound, and it's Michael going into his room. And Phil goes in there and, and starts talking to him. And then Phil turns to leave and go out to the trailer where he teaches, and Michael says, love you too which causes Coach Bolier to stop and turn on his heel and say, what? Love you too, Bolier. I get a note in Michael's backpack from this basketball coach. I'd never met him. I'm Phil Bolier. I'm the new head basketball coach at Mill Creek High School. I met your son today. He's got to be on my team. You realize he's in a wheelchair, correct? You know. So we sit and we meet in the parking lot at Mill Creek. And I said, tell me what's up. What do you want to do? He says, he said, I need your son to teach my players two things, maximum effort and a heart for others. He said, maximum effort because, you know, he can't do much, but everything he can do is with everything he's got and, and, and heart for others because this love you too thing is awesome. He said, I want him teaching my players love you too. So... He would go to all the games. He'd sit right behind the bench, right behind Coach Bolier. And uh, before the games, he'd be in the locker room, and the players would all put their hands on his hand and say, one, two, three, Hawks, and they'd take the floor. And, and this tells you about the impact that Michael had through Coach Bolier, because this whole love you too thing was being taught in the classrooms too. Anybody know what this means? It means I love you in sign language. And if you if you tip your index finger at the person you're talking to, it means love you too. And on senior night, Michael goes up to get his blanket. And we're standing behind him as he's driving his chair. And they come out and they give it to him. And folks cheer. And I look up in this student section in the corner and they're all standing like this. 
I think. Only God connects dots like this. Only God takes a basketball coach from Indiana, puts him in Hushton, Georgia, and takes a kid from Urza Chanu in a Romanian orphanage and sticks him in Hushton, Georgia, and sticks them together in a gym and teaches a bunch of high schoolers in big old Gwinnett County. Love you too. God trying to do through your life, right? And you're unscripted. When that happens, what is God trying to do through your life? And what are you letting stand in the way of what God has for you? And if it's hurt, unforgiveness has got to be part of the answer. But when we talk about loving those around us and you talk about the difference that God wants you to make in your world, right? It may be to go halfway around the world and adopt a kid, but it just as easily might be to love your next door neighbor unlike anybody's ever loved them. It might be to go around the world on a missions trip or it might be to love a kid at your kid's school and to be a parent to them because their parents are absent. Right? It can look like so many different things. John 13, 34 and 35 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, right? Not how much you go to church, not how many boxes you check about I'm living a good life, by your love for one another. Jesus laid down his life for you so that you could love one another, right? We love by serving others. We love by going out of our way when it's inconvenient, when it's more than we can handle, when it doesn't make sense and it's against the script. I love this verse, 1 first, first John three sixteen through 19. We know, as followers of Jesus, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions because our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God, right? You can't love without action. You can't love without serving and without going out of your way at times. As Jesus followers, we are called to live out maximum effort and a heart for others. Maximum effort, right? Doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I'm gonna do everything as if Jesus was right here next to me. 
and I'm gonna love others that I don't agree with, others that have hurt me. I'm gonna go out of my way to love others. So Creekwood, how are you choosing to live out I love you too every single day, right? Forgiveness is a choice. Love is a choice. How are you choosing to live out? I love you too every day. We're gonna end service a little differently today and and here in just a minute, I'm gonna pray for us. Um, And then we're going to sing a song, just a response song, a reflection song called Build My Life. And this is a couple of the lines of this song and it fits so well with this message and this series. It says this, show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And when we see seeing that, just declare that over your life, right? This is gonna be a moment between you and God, a moment for you to go, you know what? I'm not gonna live life on my own. I'm not gonna let the hurt and the pain end up fill in the blank. Keep me from loving like I've never been hurt, from loving people like Jesus would have me love them. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and bow your heads? You know, if you're listening to this and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you can't love like you've never been hurt because it takes a relationship with Jesus to offer the kind of forgiveness that I'm talking about. And if you've never accepted him into your life, it's as simple as a short conversation, a prayer, like you're talking to a friend. And all you have to do is go, God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. And I know that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to pay the price for my mistakes, for my sins. Say, Jesus, would you please come into my life and forgive me of my sins? I wanna give my life to you. And as you say that prayer, it starts a relationship with Jesus Christ of you living your life for something greater than yourself. And I just wanna pray for those in this room that in forgiveness You need forgiveness in an area of your life that you've been holding on to something and it's hard to forgive. I wanna pray that God would give you the strength to find that forgiveness and to move on so that you can truly love people like Jesus has called us to love. Father, I pray for every single person listening today. Father, I pray for any unforgiveness that we're holding on to. God, I pray that you would give us the power, God, the strength through our relationship with you to love people like you do and to to release that hurt. God, that we would forgive them, not for them, but for us so that we can do what you've called us to do. And that is to love like we've never been hurt, to love people, to be your hands and your feet on a daily basis. God, give us the strength to do that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, 
please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.